Hey, Ronnie. Hey. Can I have a club soda? Going on tonight? Yeah, you? Yeah. You know, Leonard Christian's here? Yeah, I know. Can I ask you something? Are my nostrils getting bigger? <laughs> I don't think so. Are you sure? Take a good look. They seem a little bigger. <laughs> I know. I don't know. Is it possible for nostrils to expand? Oh, is this a bit? Yeah, I don't do bits. I'm a prop comic. Hello, and welcome to The Place to Be, a Seinfeld podcast. I'm your host, Adam. And I'm Eric. On today's episode, we welcome legendary actor and comedian Dom Herrera. Dom was voted by Comedy Central as one of the 100 funniest comics of all time. He's also the host of Dom Herrera Live from the Laugh Factory, and he's been in a number of films and TV shows, including The Big Lebowski, Hollywood Shuffle, Home Improvement, Everybody Loves Raymond, The King of Queens, I'm Dying Up Here, and he voiced the character of Ernie Potts on Nickelodeon's Hey Arnold. But Seinfeld fans will always remember him for playing Ronnie Kay in the classic season five episode, The Fire, and we're so honored he can join us today. Thank you for being with us, Tom. Thank you for having me. We, we must express ourselves, and I do it through dance. Can I back this up? <laughs> Uh, no, good to be on the show, guys, and just ask me questions I'm funny with or smart with. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> so before we get into your role on Seinfeld, you actually knew Larry and Jerry even before your appearance on the show back when you first started doing stand-up in New York. So what memories do you have of them from those days? Jerry would be the one that everybody recognized. I mean, even then, he was like, uh, he was the only comedian that had a, like a million-dollar car. You know, he was just ahead of the crowd by one step. And I remember when they were starting to write write this, I was over at Jerry's house to watch the Super Bowl, and him and Larry were writing on a Domino's pizza box, like different ideas for the pilot, you know. Like, imagine seeing a pizza box go, someday that box will go through billions of dollars. <laughs> I wonder where that pizza box is now. <laughs> I think they ate it that day. And I, it's amazing. I mean, I I know that this is about sign, you know, Seinfeld and everything, but so many things had to go right for. I mean, you know, you probably know this by now, but they they didn't, NBC didn't want the show. It was called the Seinfeld Chronicles. Right. And he said to me, I said, how's the show going? He goes, ah, it's, uh, look, we're hanging on. It doesn't look good. But I think Martin Marin, uh, was the, the, the head of president, the, the president of NBC, his wife thought it was a cute show. That's that's how we got picked up, you know. Yeah. For, like, we started with four, and then I don't think Elaine was even on it yet, right? The very beginning. That was a missing link. Imagine her. The show wouldn't be the show without her. Yeah, totally. Without Elaine, it's it's not the same at all. It wouldn't have worked. Jerry said that yeah, Elaine brought the show luster. I think that's really a great way to describe it, you know. Yeah. Well, even um, well, Jason, I knew before the show was cast. But uh, Michael Richards was on Fridays, and he was more of a clown than an actor. But it was perfect for the show. I mean, you wouldn't think like Jerry's so like, you know, like postures up and he's so like everything's whizzing by you at 100 miles an hour because he's so smart. Michael Richards was like boom, everything he hit his head on everything, and it just blended so well. But you would never think that I'd never put those guys in the same show, you know. That's pretty cool that you were friends with them when they were writing the pilot. Well, I didn't know Larry as well. Jerry and I were friends. Like Larry, it was uh, 
he moved to New York when uh, he moved to LA by the time I got to New York. But uh, yeah, it's amazing the, the way it all, all unraveled and how lucky it was. And see, they were afraid that it was too Jewish, and it was Jewish New York. They were afraid, you know, it's going to be just like that one group, and then the, the you know, mid, mid, the Midwest is not going to love it, like it, you know. But it was they were wrong. So yeah. You know, I didn't even know like the show was that good. I I'd never seen it because I'm a comedian. I I worked. I, I went out every night. And uh, Larry calls me up because I had to turn a couple down. Can you imagine? I turned down uh, the the part. I think it was the part of the barber, the barber, the younger barber. Mm. And I couldn't do it because I was working at like the Riviera in uh, in Vegas. And Larry calls me up one day. I'm watching football on my couch, and he says, "Dom, you know, you really should see the show." We should do the show. She goes, it's pretty good, you know. And he goes, I don't know if you've ever seen it. I go, no, I haven't, but I heard good things. He goes, why don't you come and do it if you can? We'd like to have you. I'm thinking, looking back on that, and here's one of the, here's one of the best shows ever, if not the best. I didn't have to audition. And in the end, thing, the hoops they make you dance through. And then here's the show coming out with like monumental success. Oh, that's so interesting that they wanted you for the barber. Yeah, that's what I was told, and. Uh, there were a couple of parts Larry had in mind for me, but uh, I couldn't make them because I was at my Slappy Bananas gig in Newtown, New Jersey. Under <laughs> beans, a show, boys. It comes in, it goes out. Right. <laughs> well, it worked out for the best because your episode was just fantastic. And I love that episode because the John Favreau, John Favreau or something, Favreau, the, Favreau the, yeah, 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 he plays the clown, yeah. <laughs> How could, how could you not know Bozo? <laughs> but and it was so funny the way he wrote it, you know, like this is not your this is not your time. You had your time. Nobody, yeah. And the kids on, under the table. It's so funny. I, 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 actually, I thought that my part was mediocre compared to the parts that. Uh, looking back on it, I would have I would gone a different way with it, but I tried to play it straight and. It was okay. I mean, it was blended in, with, but I, you know, like some of those people were so freaking good that the guy who played the Pakistani English India guy that. Oh yeah, Babu, one of our favorites. Oh, oh yeah, you bad man, better. But he said it's a little stringy. This the shrimp's a little stringy. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> So like you mentioned, you know, Larry had reached out to you for the barber and you couldn't do that. So I'm assuming for this role, you didn't have to audition. He kind of just called you up and. Yeah, yeah. They were, I think I never asked him about it, but I think they were kind of mocking Carrot, Carrot Top, you know, because uh, he was I was up for this uh, four years in a row. I got nominated for the best stand up in, in the in that year. And I never got it, but it was better that I didn't get it because it, when you got once you got one, you can't come back. And I was bringing my whole family to California and the, on, a, on their their bill. To, and it, so the best thing I could do is get get nominated but lose. And uh, and, and Carrot Top won, and I think that put in Larry's mind how you know that's not really stand up. And I actually he's really very talented, but I kind of kind of try to throw that you know my my pistol. Water pistol and the, you know try to think of like the stupid things that that they do and you know, like that we kind of look down on as the, the elite you know stand up comedy compared to like pulling a, a racket out of your ass and hey play some tennis you know 
but I think that was uh, what that was based on. So uh, what was Larry David like on the set? Was he any different than how you had seen him before? Well, I never saw him that serious, you know, like he was like really, I said, there was a woman uh, who sat on the front of the bus and I, I didn't know her. I didn't know her, but I couldn't remember her name. I still can't remember. Uh, she was the one who made that breakthrough and, you know, women, black women sitting in the front of the bus. Rosa Parks. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know. I go, Rosa Parks. He, he got like, you don't, you don't know who Rosa Parks is? Rosa Parks is? And I go, Larry. I'm sorry, I wasn't prepared for my history exam when I got the part. <laughs> but uh, they were, you know, they were, they were busy with that script. Like they, they had to, like Larry finished that thing with Kramer when he talks about you know, pulling all the stops. He gave him, uh, he hand, hand hand wrote that whole thing, and it was amazing. You know, like he gave it to him. Michael looked at it and just did it. You know, you forget how how hard that is. You know. Because you're not only acting, but you have to remember something that never really happened, you know? Yeah, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I didn't realize that about that monologue, because we always hear that about the monologue that George does at the end of the Marine Biologist. And that's obviously amazing for Jason to memorize that in like 30 minutes. But I didn't know that about Kramer's story within the uh, Yeah, doing it right moment to moment to moment. That was, I mean, it's pretty cool. Well, if you say, say so, remember the crazy girl at the end, the beginning when she, he got her toe. <laughs> put that Toby. little the end of the, put it, Toby. Put that little baby at the end of the line where it belonged, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> look at all the look at all the different plots they were. A friend of mine wrote for uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. Obviously, a great show and successful. He said we did one, maybe two plots. They would do A, B, C, D. And everything was connected, and you know when she, when, when somebody hollered, "Does anybody see a marine biologist?" No, like when would that come up in reality at all? <laughs> you know, it was a, it was a angry. The sing, the sea was angry that day. And he walks out into the water. And, you know, it's funny. Like the, the other side of the, the inside, you never believe some of the egos, and they were basically a very nice group. Michael is out, was out there. You know, some days he'd say hello to me. Because I did a, a, a show with Damon right across the hall from those guys, right across the, the, the driveway at Paramount, I believe. And uh, Michael like was different. Jason Alexander could be telling jokes to people, take a bite of a bagel and go and, and do, do his lines. And I, I don't remember seeing read, read them, you know. But I remember him saying, "She's, you know." Michael gets like an Emmy award. She goes, I never get an Emmy award. I go, you never get an Emmy award. You get Tony awards. They're harder to get. You know, <laughs> so, you, know you think you think you'd be happy with that. And he's a good guy. I'm not trying to put him down, but it's like, let it go. We're on the number one show on television. But what we didn't know is they're going to be the number one in the, in the future. How big it's going to be still like now, you know. It's incredible. I mean, we're doing a podcast about a thing that was that's 20 years old or 30 years old. What's wrong yeah, with that? Yeah, it's incredible. we got to get out no. more. No, what's <laughs> wrong with the rest of the people that, that don't do this, that don't like Seinfeld? <laughs> it is amazing, though, that Jason never won an Emmy for that role. Oh, my God. He was great. You see, he's so funny because if you look at him, he does, you hear a little Jack Benny. You are a, a blabbermouth, a blab, you know, that kind of guy. 
And uh, he was so good at that. And he was so good at being like meek. But then if you like, you know, Don Watts, Don, uh, uh, what's his name from the Andy Griffith show, Don Knotts, he did that kind of character. And I think Jason lifted that in some, some ways from that guy. When he got tough, he, he was like the toughest guy, and then he'd be the biggest wuss, you know? <laughs> right. But um, I think he, 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 was, he was a sponge for copying in a good way, you know? But people who didn't, you know, watch the shows all the time, they wouldn't notice it. But look at him the next time, and you can see Johnny Carson. You can see, uh, Evan, I mean, not everybody, man. Um, you just see different guys through him that he kind of puts an all-star team together in that character. I mean, I think it's the uh, best acting of the, of the whole group. But, but they're all good. I mean, people say to me, Jerry's not an actor. He's a, I said, who cares? What's he be? He has to do Macbeth to prove to you that he's perfect for the show. It's called Seinfeld, you know. Oh, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> and most of the scenes you had in this episode were with Jerry. So, what was your experience like working with him? He was so focused that it was it was not it was neither fun nor nor bad. I mean, it was like you know, the other, like with Jason, you could fuck around and. And she, and Elaine, um, she's hilarious. Last time I saw her, I was doing uh, not Craig Ferguson, yeah, Craig Ferguson, and she was doing a, she was doing a pre-tape, and she's walking through, and she sees me, and she runs, and she jumps up on me, and starts humping like a monkey, right? And <laughs> people would see her, and she's she's so fucking funny. Yeah, but she had a she had a, a baby, and. Lisa's real baby was not beautiful. She's my goddaughter, my goddaughter, and uh, they stayed together. So that was, you know, reality and fiction banging heads. She, Lisa did have a baby, but it certainly wasn't an ugly baby. Yeah, we should mention that Lisa Mendy is your ex-wife who played Carol, who had Adam the ugly baby, who we also had on the show. So fun little Seinfeld connection there. Well, the one thing I remember that that one girl in the bathing suit was gorgeous. The one. Oh yeah. Jason Alexander was in the car with her, and he says, "Tomorrow at this time, I can touch her breast." Now I get in trouble, but after you know, like after he sleeps together, it warms her up. <laughs> that was the shrinkage one too, right? Yep, sure was. And did you or Jerry improvise anything during the rehearsals that made it into the episode? No, they they really stuck to the script. I mean, you got writers like they had. They didn't um, they didn't play around too much that I saw. You know, I used to like like to go in there and watch it because it was something special. You know, obviously. But uh, I just you know I I told Dan Damon one time I said yeah, you got to listen watch these guys because if Jerry sees something funny he'll give it to George. You, know, you do it. You do it better than I will. He, it was his ego wasn't involved. The show's already called Seinfeld. It's not going to get any bigger, you know. But uh, he was smart with that. He knew what to what to give up and what to what to hold for his own character. You know? And I love at one point in one of your scenes, Jerry is talking to Kramer and Toby, and you're in the background playing with your props. And at one point, you put on like these really big yellow glasses. And I was just wondering, like, did you come up with that on your own, or did someone tell you to do that? Uh, I don't even remember doing it. What did I do? You just, you're wearing these huge glasses, like you're going through your props. Oh, really? Did I put put them on? 
Yeah. <laughs> I never I never saw that. That's funny. <laughs> you see that jersey that I had on? I was just about to ask you. So you had that great Bruins jersey with your name on it, and I'm a New Englander, so of course I'm going to notice that. So uh, what's said, the story behind that jersey? Uh, I said to Larry, I said, you know, this this jersey has my name on it. He goes, that's all right. It's a good, good color for you. I said, what do you know about colors? You know, <laughs> but so that's why I kept it on because he liked the color on my skin. <laughs> that's funny. What was that your jersey? Uh, yeah, it was a gift from some fan, some fan that's dumb bests. Uh, yeah, the guy who, who gave it to me was ecstatic that he could see my name and, you know, I'm not, I don't even know hockey. I only know <laughs> was jumping sports and not roller skates. That's bullshit. Uh, <laughs> but you, when you asked me that question about Jerry, like, I thought it would be fun to work with him. And it wasn't fun or not fun. It was just, you know, he, he was, it was very typical of his focus. You know, he's a very focused person. He's always thinking. And uh, I just don't, uh, I look back and I think, you know, you would think he would have more fun with it, but he didn't seem to to me. But, he, you know, he, he felt, he was not into this thing to, to, to uh, sitcom. He was in it to do, become a great stand-up comedian. And that's what he was. Yeah, absolutely. God rest his soul. Fought <laughs> to the very end. <laughs> so you also had uh, that brief scene with Jason Alexander in this episode. What, what was he like to actually work with? He's fun. He's a, he's he's brilliant, brilliant guy. I was I was in Montreal's airport, and Jason's going I guess to New York. I'm going back to uh, L.A. And he was he was talking to Jerry about producing the show and money thing this is the side you don't see you know and Jerry's apparently Jerry, Jerry said I'm going to produce it and Jason gets, goes to me he goes hey I can produce it too all you do is say you're a producer and collect the money you know <laughs> whatever happened to that but it's funny to see the side you forget they were getting paid large sums for that even already and then and then it went crazy yeah and even though you didn't have any scenes with Julia or Michael, do you have any stories about them from that week? Well, she was really intense because she had her kid, her kid there, and all. And she, but she's she's a lot of fun. Like I said, Michael is like one of those guys. Like going back to like the trouble he got with the, that anti-racial night, whatever. He went crazy. You know, I was in Governors in Long Island. One of the waitresses called me up and go, Don, Michael flipped out on stage tonight you know and then jerry goes on letterman and tries to lighten up lighten up and he didn't realize that a lot of the country hadn't seen it yet they thought he was kidding right they thought you can't be you shouldn't have gone that nuts but anyway that week he said to me he never talked to me once in a while i'll say hi he, he uh i was at the comedy store and he goes hey tom is there, are you italian I go, yeah, why? He goes, I'm Italian, too. Are you from Philly? Are you from New Jersey? I'm from Philly. Oh, that's cool. That was it. I see him going up the steps a couple of days, and he says to this guy, yeah, I'm Jewish from New York. And I said to him, well, you told me you were Italian. You know? And he's like, what I'm saying is that he looked like he was having a breakdown already, a little, little nervous and just weird. Oh, interesting. 
And uh, getting back to your episode, do you have a favorite line or a favorite scene that you were in? Probably the, uh, he, he has a gun, the man has a gun. That line at the end of the show, it was nice to close the show and be like at that moment. Because <laughs> that'll always be you know, important to the, 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 that plot, you know. Because he's such a wuss. And you know, like he gets, how could you not know? Uh, I, I, I like that scene a lot. John Favreau, he's so much bigger than Jason. And look, man, I'm sure like he was a big deal in the 60s. You got to let that go. <laughs> you live in the past, man. You yeah, hung yeah. up on some cloud from the 60s, man. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Just a gig. That is not my life. <laughs> What's that? No, he says, it's just a gig. It's not my life. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> sure he was some big clown in the 60s. It's, it's brilliant. I can still laugh at things I know are coming. That's how good that show is. Oh, yeah, totally. And did you ever socialize or work with any of the other cast members outside of the show? Well, Jerry. When I came out uh, from New York, he was really good to me. He like, took me around, took me to Jay Leno's house where he didn't give us anything to eat, not even a, a Frito. <laughs> Jeez. I couldn't believe it. I said, how Italian are you? You don't have any food. Oh, that's a sin. <laughs> I think he's half Scottish, half Italian. But I remember saying to Jerry when they were going to go up to Leno's house, and it was, it was a place, chicken something. I said, I'll bring, bring some chicken in. He goes, Jerry says, hey, I don't have food there. I go, we're in the swimming pool. And I go, uh, do you have any food? He goes, nah, I didn't bring a lot. He had a sandwich and ate it in front of us. Nobody does. No Italian does that. They smell. No. They're crazy. Oh, what a what a strunz. <laughs> they just had a, a memorial for um, one of the, the first producers. And that guy, he was, I can't even remember his name now, but he's one of the greatest guys. You know, he had all these pricks in show business. He was just, just the opposite. So if anybody had the, the karma, Shapiro is his name. If anybody had the karma to have a hit show, it was him. You know, he's just a good dude. Yeah, he seemed like a great guy. So besides your comedy specials, do people recognize you more from Seinfeld than any other role you've had in your career? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Seinfeld would be the biggest. Definitely. You know, I was in uh, New Zealand and I was jogging, believe it or not. I was and uh, this guy, I had like a hood on, it was raining, and this guy goes, uh, Hey, man, you were in Seinfeld. You know, Seinfeld, what the fuck? What's he called? Feel Seinfeld. They didn't even know the name, you know, but it's just amazing. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. So before we let you go, we're just going to move on to our final segment. It's called This, That, and the Other. So basically, we just ask you a question, and then the first thing that comes to mind, you let us know. So first question, what role or performance are you proudest of? Probably the, uh, was the uh, I was a driver in uh, Big Lebowski. And because I was doing that, that was from my act. So it was kind of cool. Like, I had done that on The Tonight Show, you know. I don't mean that in a bad way or whatever it was. And so that that one moment, you know, was pretty cool. Because people say, sometimes don't, they, they think that's my name. Or Tony or whatever it was, you know. Well, I got to tell you, hey Arnold, right now to the uh, to one that's a group of people they say 25 to 35, that's that's really big. 
if I mentioned Hey Arnold or do the character, I just it just talks like this. Arnold, can I call you son? You know, like it's it was like touching but serious and that's great. Yeah. Oh yeah, I loved Hey Arnold as a kid. It was one of my favorites. Same here. Yeah. Yeah, that you would be the perfect age that grew up with it. You know. Yep. It was so silly though. Instead of getting a girl to play Arnold. Because her voice didn't change, they just get a, like a kid every year and a half. We had like by the time it was over, we had like six kids. Yeah, that's right. Uh, favorite band or musician? I like to keep my finger on the pulse of what's happening today. Now the Beatles, they, those kids are really going places. <laughs> but the Beatles, uh, you know, you know Mark Maron. Yeah. We were sitting in the comedy store the other night. And we just started singing Beatles songs. We didn't say a word to each other. We sang about five songs, and then I went up on stage. But and that's probably the most amazing phenomenon. Talk about places and being at the right. I was in Liverpool at the one of their museum things, and it said this guy, you could hear him rejecting them. You know, he this is the, not going to be an accident. This is an individual thing, like Elvis. You know, and they were he, he was quite wrong actually, but. Yeah, very wrong. <laughs> very, very wrong. You bad man. <laughs> <laughs> and um, one of your big breaks came on Rodney Dangerfield's Nothing Goes Right special. So what memories do you have about that? That was really interesting. I was I was auditioning for Rodney and Keenan Wayne's, Damon Wayne's rather. And this guy, Barry Sobel, were, were with me. And uh, Rodney's in the place. And... Uh, they were supposed to do 10 minutes each before I was I would come up to do 10 minutes for the audition. They did 25 minutes each, so I'm fucking pissed. You know, like, and I, I go up on stage, and all I do is lay into them. What did you think? Are you going to get funny after 25 minutes of bombing? All of a sudden, it was going to come to you? It, it ain't happening for you today. And I'm like, all I lay in. And Rodney goes, you know, kid, you're, you're funny, but all you do is lay into people. You got an act or what? I said, well, Rodney, I was just pissed off. He goes, well, no, I like the anger, but, you know, you got to have jokes. So he came out to see me at the improv and I got the show. I had no idea this was going to be so big because I go to Atlanta after and then the show was premiering. I was even watching it and it was packed. The, the Atlanta punchline was packed. I go, what's going on here? This guy goes, you are. I go, what do you mean? He goes, everybody saw that special. They all came to see it. And that was like such a big deal because they weren't they're like everybody has a special now and they can make their own specials. The, the technology is so good and you know, it's really not that like, you know, special guys that make it without a special because it's like, you know, but the, the, that t- at that time, it was really a big deal because there was nothing like it. And we got, I mean, I went from zero to 100 as far as like filling up com- comedy clubs and on a Tuesday, you know, it was it was really hot. And then Rodney was great to me. Hilarious. I mean, the last time I saw him, I love the guy. We all did. He's going to the hospital for two weeks. And uh, we were worried about him. And I'm um, just me and him alone. And, 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 uh, and he says to me, kid, you want anything? You need anything? I said, no, Rodney, I'm fine. He goes, uh, I said, you know, he could do one thing for me. Could you close your robe? And he goes, what? <laughs> I, said, well, I said, I don't want to look at your little purple balls. But I'm going <laughs> to eat something later. And it's, I can't get it out of my mind. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't laugh. He goes, that's very funny. You're a funny, kid. You know, but... Um, Anyway, that was the big the big break that I got for 
not compared to anything. What about the Tonight Show? Oh my God, that was a big deal, and so it was the, the show of the day. If you got Carson, that was the imprimatur to the stamp to your real comedian now. And I held, I got it. We all get it in different ways. I, I go on to do my set late at night at the Improv. I just got out here. You know, I have to start a little from at least the middle because I came from the Improv in, in the New York. And uh, the waitresses were really hot at the Improv. I mean, really, like, beautiful girls, and they're fun and nice people. And, and so I had a good rapport with them. And I didn't know this, but they brought Jim McCauley in to see me unbeknownst to me so there were no nerves involved i was just doing a late night set and and he dug these girls so he'd do anything they wanted so they came he came in on the way out he goes uh, you know he shakes my hand he says i'm jim mccall i said jim i know who you are he goes would you guys like to do tonight's show i said well, yeah of course and he goes you got it i said i got it i got an audition right he goes you just audition you got it you know and he was just trying to impress the girls with how powerful they were and i get to because I, I wasn't like t- tonight show material I was more characters and stuff. I wasn't like, do you ever notice how they, in, in the atom bomb, the, you know what I mean? It's like totally different, but th- thank God for those girls because I would have never gotten it. I didn't even get Merv Griffin. I had this from Merv Griffin. I was so, you know, just beaten. I go, I can't even get fucking Merv Griffin, you know? And, and I, that was a pretty cool show, though, but he he even did the, ooh, the funny community, ooh. But uh, anyway, I'm, I'm rambling. And I read somewhere that you were nervous to do The Tonight Show because of some jokes you told about Ed McMahon. So what's the story behind that? Well, I had, I had one joke. Though. I, I met Ed McMahon in Star Search. And I said I didn't know what to call him. Ed, Mr. Ed, Mr. Ed McMahon, Mr. E, Mr. Eddie, Mr. You big, fat, sloppy, homo, whatever <laughs> you do, right? And I don't mean that in a bad way. And I did that and... Uh, and, you know, like around the clubs and his daughter was casting Star Search and she was one of the people that passed me. So when I got to the Tonight Show, Ed comes up because I'm from Philly and he's from Philly. I think uh, at least he had a place in Avalon down the shore. And he comes up to me and goes and he shakes, shake, he's going to shake my hand. He's way bigger than me. And I thought, fuck, he, Ed McMahon's going to going to sucker me right before I go go on stage, you know. And But he liked this. He, he knew about the bed. He liked it. He had a good you know, good attitude about it. But, um, yeah, I was behind that curtain doing the Tonight Show, and I was terrified. And it was like, I, all I wanted to do was just, you know, and I, I felt so bad after we were done. You know, like, we were, all that work for the seven minutes, and then you go, and I, you know what I did? I went and got and did a spot at the comedy store just to calm down that, that same night. And my, my mother and my sister go, why do you, you got to do another set? You just did the Tonight Show. I go, I just got to get it out of my system. You know, did Johnny say anything to you? Yeah, he said, come back soon and, you know, give me the thing. Funny, because with him, him, it was more believability. And I think that's why we trusted him so much. Letterman on the, the same kind of thing. He goes, well, if you're ever in town, stop in and say hello. I'm going to write. Yeah, I'm sure I could stop by and tell <laughs> security. No, he said to stop by. I just want to say hello to him. Sorry, you have to have a badge. Okay. You know, he was so so full of it. But Carson, you believed, you know, he was. My mother's so funny. My mother is one of those people that thinks I'm the greatest in the world. Right. She said to me, well, she, whoever she's going, she, you're better than him. Right. And I, I'm better than some people and some people are better than me. I'm not, you know, and she, I go, Mom, 
That's Johnny Carson. I'm not better than Johnny Carson. He's Johnny Carson. Oh, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love an Italian mother. Yeah, right. I mean, Lisa, you know, my, Lisa's mom was Jewish, and she thought everything she did. She, when Lisa got the fifth show of uh, The Ugly Baby, she said, and I hope they're not going to make you do that same old the character again. Okay. Like she didn't realize that having five episodes of the same thing is harder, you know? Right. <laughs> she used to do that character in, in the in my apartment we lived, and I go, we well, stop with the, the Jewish lady. It's funny, but to give it a break, you know? <laughs> you know, what was the thing, the line she said? You got to see the baby. <laughs> <laughs> you got to see the baby. And then uh, Kramer would like hit his head, you know, look, looking at the baby. <laughs> um, so I know you're friends with a lot of comedians. Obviously, is there one story in particular that's your favorite, either with like Richard Lewis or someone like that? Just funny story. Well, Richard Lewis, uh, as you know, is very neurotic. As he knows, he's very neurotic. <laughs> so I was trying to get under his skin, you know, like little things. We were flying to uh, San Francisco. We we're going to get married, the two of us. <laughs> made you look we're flying to San Francisco and I said you got one of those blood vessels on your eye he said yeah you, get, you can get that from sneezing or you know you don't know what it comes and he's starting to get nervous he goes did you see I, I, everybody in the airport saw it I saw them staring at you and you weren't staring at them and he really got panicky you know so I he he wanted to get me back I guess he had, he had a limo coming and I had a cab picking me up and I, on, I went on the radio show and talked about how cheap he was and how selfish he was not to share the limo with me. You know, and he really got, he was like, he really got upset over it, you know, which <laughs> my sole intent. Ignorotic, psychotic. Uh. And by the way, I just have to say that I thought you were hilarious at the Bruce Willis roast a few years ago. Anyone who hasn't seen it should check it out on YouTube. You were just one of the highlights of that show for sure. I just trying to play the moment, you know, and that guy, Ed Norton, he wouldn't stop talking about himself. It was Bruce's Rose. (laughs) I took it upon myself to nail him. Oh, yeah. When you said uh, he dated Courtney Love, but he never became famous enough for her to have him murdered. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. Thanks. Those were the days, huh? Oh, yeah. And before we let you go, uh, favorite moment of your career? When I slept with Cher, I was on I was on the road with her for years. I didn't, I didn't sleep with her. Oh yeah, she said to me, "Here's a good, good moment." And any time we we would work the casino, we would see each other. She's on the way in, I'm on the way out. And we were at the Mirage in Vegas, and uh, I'm I'm going. I did this thing about shooting jizz over over a fence or something. She goes, I can't believe you talked about jizzing in front of my grandmother. And I said, I can't believe your grandfather can see her ass. <laughs> and anyway, we get downstairs to the party afterwards, and her grandmother came up to me and she goes, I love that jizz joke you did. <laughs> and then I just look at her and she looks, she goes, you know, my family, I don't know what the fucking crazy is, but that was a moment I'll never forget. And I'll never forget this moment, fellas. Oh, we'll never forget it either. Th- thank you so yeah. much for joining us today. This was a lot of fun. 
Oh, thanks. It was a yeah, this was so great. I was so excited to hear we're going to have you on. So, and this was a great interview. And thank you thanks. so much for taking the time with us. Yeah, thanks for the laughs, Don. All right, I'll see you tomorrow. Sounds good. <laughs> thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at theplacetobeseinfeld at gmail.com. You can also find our show on Facebook at The Place to Be, a Seinfeld podcast, Twitter at TPTB Seinfeld, and Instagram at theplacetobe.podcast. You can find our show on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like, please rate and review. It really helps us out. Until next time, be sure to hang up your pants for the perfect crease. I heard you went down to somebody's office and heckled them? Damn right. We've been lapdogs long enough. How could you do that? I mean, everybody's talking about it. Yeah, well, it's about time one of us drew a line in the sand. Jerry, you're like Rosa Parks. You open the door for all of us. I can't wait till the next time somebody heckles me. Yeah, well, it won't be long. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jerry Seinfeld. There you go.